We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Dateable Podcast. Just a reminder, we're in the off season, but it does not mean we pause the content. It just means we bring you a little bit more about us. <laughs> if, if that's a good content. thing. I hope that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, about us, but also about dating questions, which is really what everyone is here for, right? I hope so. I really, really hope so. I was talking to a few new married friends, and okay. they asked me when they heard about the podcast, they said, well, obviously, it's only single people that listen to it. And I know we've talked about it on the show, but we definitely have some married lurkers who also listen to the podcast quite frequently. And once I told them the topics, they both started downloading and listening to episodes because both of them have been together since college. So they've never done the dating app scene. They've never done Mm. the dating around scene. And I guess these topics were so fascinating to them that they're listening to them on their own. Yeah. And I mean, I would also argue there's a lot of topics we cover that would be applicable at all stages of relationships. I'll give a shout out to my sister-in-law. I know she's an avid dateable listener. And, you know, (laughs) I think obviously she was drawn to it to support. But, you know, she's told me before, before that a lot of them even help, you know, someone that's been married a couple years at this point. So I think there's something for everyone. Clearly, some topics are more applicable than others, depending on your stage of life and relationship status. But I really do believe there's something for everyone here too. Everyone loves talking about dating and love and relationships. It's just a fascinating topic. And that's why we try to be as inclusive as possible in our content, because you never stop dating. Even if you're married, you don't stop dating your partner either. And uh, you shouldn't. (laughs) If you do, that's when things sometimes go to shit, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. And it's been a fun couple of weeks. I was laid off officially last Wednesday. I guess by the time this comes out, it'll be two weeks. I've never been laid off officially like this before. Mm. I've been phased out of contract positions, but not mm. laid off. And 35% of the company was laid off, um, which really heavily affected my department. So 80% of my department <laughs> is gone. which is insane but then now all the that's all you see in the news it's like this company laying off x percent that company laying off x percent part of this kind of reminds me of dating i know you know we're trying to think of ways to relate this back to dating but the way we normalize the way companies treat employees is like the way we normalize bad dating behavior we think people are disposable and we talk about them in numbers you know 35 percent of people are laid off not the moms or the people who newly moved to a city or the people who are caring for uh someone ill in their family and it's not that there's no humanity it's just 
a number. It's all business, right? I mean, I've definitely been through layoffs before, some cases where I've been laid off and other cases where I've survived the layoff. Mm -hmm. And I think what I hate about layoffs, and I know, you know, it's always nothing personal. A lot of the times it has to do with the company health. But what it is, is it's so out of nowhere. I think when you're Mm. on the road to getting fired, usually you have some warning, right? That you need to pick it up a little, improve your performance. But I think layoffs can really just catch you off guard. I remember like when I got laid off from a startup, I don't know, this was years ago at this point, I just remember them being like super awkward. And then just like telling me to come to the conference room. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm getting laid off. Like it just was so weird, the whole experience. And I think like you, I mean, we we talked about this, like you heard a rumor ahead of time. So you kind of knew it was coming, but it wasn't that much notice. And I do think about all the people that, you know, pour their heart and soul into work and don't do it, you know, uproot. uproot your family like uproot like your life basically for a job and it's a shame because oftentimes your job description will be back up in a second or you know just non-existent anymore and no one seems to care like you were said you're just a number to everyone not a person yeah i mean these companies are just worried about the bottom line so whatever they can do to show profitability They'll do it at the expense of people. But when you are a growing company and you're spending money like there's no end or limit, you feel like you're the golden child, right? You feel yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm with this unicorn company. We're yeah. spending money. There's no budget. I almost feel like that is a sign of bad things to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been pondering this for a little bit. And, you know, I think some of it relates to companies, but also it relates to relationships too. When do you uproot your life? And, mm-hmm. you know, on one side, you could argue that, you know, let's say you have this great job opportunity that's in a different city. Then you could say, well, part of my life is work and I want to get that opportunity. And that's a big aspect of me. Let's say you decide to uproot your life for like someone you recently started dating or, you know, they had to move somewhere or you had to go to a certain location to be with someone. What point is it adapting your life versus uprooting your life? I think that's a very good question. And for some people, I think it just depends on what your priorities are. But I always ask the question, what matters when you're on your deathbed? What matters? Yeah. Does it matter that company that you sacrificed your life for and you moved for? Are you going to be talking about that company? Or are you going to be talking about the person that maybe you moved your life for? You took a risk. Things didn't work out, but it taught you many lessons. I still think human connection is worth the risk, but companies, it's never worth worth the risk. Yeah. I don't know. I I mean, I obviously think that I value relationships and all of that, but I don't know if it, I ve- it depends again, this is so nuanced, obviously. How long have you been with this person? How reciprocal are the feelings? How well do you know them? These are all factors, but I think, you know, completely changing your lifestyle and if you're happy in your life or someone else, to me is even arguable if that is the right call, or is it better to find someone that mm-hmm. fits in with your lifestyle? I mean, I can, I can see it both ways. So it's something that's kind of been on my mind of what is the right path? And maybe there is no right path. It's just specific to you and how you view life and what's important. I just would hate to ask a question, what if later down the line? Yeah. I mean, remember when you're dating that guy in the UK, and you definitely thought about visiting? at least and exploring the options. It's worth exploring, right? Maybe it's not uprooting, but I think human connection is worth always worth further exploration. I know. I think about that, though. But for whatever reason, even in that situation, I never ended up doing it. I was still resistant to changing my entire life and moving it to another country. And you could argue that like, yeah, that didn't work out because I didn't do that. But now I found someone that's actually a much better fit for me. Right. Always, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing with life, right? Because it's like, did I make the right decision? Is this thing good? that I'm in. Right. And it's very subjective because the good thing could bring you a bad thing and the bad thing could bring you a good thing. Exactly. So the only way to look at it is, do I have regrets and did I try my best? Yeah. Right? And I think too, like if you move to a different city for work and mm-hmm. you felt like, okay, I'm ready to like explore somewhere else and this is something I want to do, even if the job doesn't work out, it could be a really great thing. Totally. So I don't think it's like an either or in any way. And 
there's so many aspects and variables in all of these, but it does make you question, especially, you know, when people are so disposable in today's world, whether that's in companies or in modern dating to like make huge shifts for other people. But then if you don't do that, like that doesn't get you anywhere either. It's very chicken and egg, I think. It's such a bubble that people live in when you're at a company because you start caring about things that really don't matter in life. I had these coworkers that were just so hung up on their titles. Oh, when am I going to get this senior title? When am I going to get this director title? And equivalently in dating, same. It's like, when are we going to DTR and have call each other boyfriend or girlfriend and show that commitment to other people through labeling. But when you zoom out, you see, well, does this really matter? Ultimately, does this label or this title really affect my human happiness? Probably not. But if I can make the best of this situation or the best of this relationship, that's probably more of a contributing factor to my happiness. Right. And that's why I think it's so important to be well-rounded and not put your yeah. value only on work or only yeah. on relationships. Because, you know, for a while, like when I started my career, I worked at Yahoo for eight years. Yeah. Some Long of our time. listeners might be like, what the fuck is Yahoo? <laughs> but it used to be. <laughs> it used, it to, used be to be the golden child. There. It used to be the number one site on the internet, even above Google, if you can believe yes. it. I saw a chart recently and Facebook, all of them. But anyways, um, I feel like for a long time I had my identity, Yahoo is part of my identity. Yes. So I feel like if I got laid off under that circumstance, it would hurt so much more than if I'll just use my day job, for instance, I'm a designer, Mm -hmm. instead of like being tied to a company, because then you can, you know, go somewhere else and do that work. Mm -hmm. And I think like, especially with you too, it's like you have the podcast, you have other like on screen work that you do. Exactly. The more you can diversify. And I think too, in relationships, again, not saying that you shouldn't give your all to your partner, but when you make your partner your entire world and you give up things mm-hmm. that make you whole, like your friendships and hobbies and whatever it may be, like that's when if you do break up, it stings that much harder because you've lost yourself in the process. Yes, you've lost your entire identity. I think we cover this in this episode with Katie Storino. I think because she's also talking about just her shifts in identity through mm-hmm. previous previous marriage and then this current marriage. Yeah. And, you know, for anyone that missed the episode we did with her on yeah. our podcast, good. it was called Taming Your Inner Critic. And we might have gone into that there, too, in more depth. She definitely talked about, you know, a relationship won't save you. If you think that the key to happiness is a relationship, right, then that's right. not correct. And also, you know, how... She started this entire mega babe company Mm -hmm. after her divorce. So Mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to the theme that we were talking about is there can be even in the worst of outcomes, there actually can be pushing you in a direction that's better for you. Yep. And, you know, we love being guests on other people's podcasts. So when Katie approached us to be on her podcast, Boob Sweat, we were super excited because we actually had, you know, had followed Katie and seen her Instagram. She does this really, I would say like, she's like a pretty big body positivity influencer. And yes. I, I love that she does how I wear it versus how some celeb wears it. And it's really showing that you can make, you know, any style work for you. So I think she does a lot of really inspirational content even outside of boob sweat but obviously boob sweat too and they were so kind to send us their products because she is the founder of mega babe which is a beauty supply company so many people probably know of this brand yeah i mean i freaking love these products Mm -hmm. like when i was in austin i decided to bring them all with me Mm -hmm. one because they were the perfect travel size Mm -hmm. but i also didn't realize especially in hot weather how how handy they would be do Deodorant wipes. I feel like that's genius, especially in hot weather. Yeah, the shower wipes are really good. I love the Latouche clarifying mask. It's a butt mask. (laughs) Maybe TMI, but I work out a lot and I sweat and I'm in my, you know, spandex. And it just feels good to clarify the butt because that's also skin. You know, if we're clarifying our faces, we should also be, I don't know, paying some attention to our butts. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I mean, it's funny because I feel like I got different products than you, but we both love them in different ways. Oh, you you didn't get the... 
Yeah, you didn't get, I didn't the get that one. No. Okay. Yeah, we're mixing it up. <laughs> Definitely give Boob Sweat a follow, Katie's podcast, but also they were kind enough to give a code out, Boob Sweat 15, for 15% off your order uh, at the Mega Babe website. Yep, megababebeauty.com. And we'll link that in our show notes as well. Fantastic. Okay, so announcements this week at Datable Podcast. You can follow us um, on Instagram. You can submit your date, your brunch talk questions. We love getting them sent to us because, you know, that's how we really know we're doing work that benefits you all by answering what's top of mind. So send them to hello at datablepodcast.com. DM us on Instagram. Any way you can get those questions over. And you can also find us on Love in the Time of Corona, our Datable Podcast Facebook group. So hope to see you there and definitely share this with a friend. Everyone can use help with their dating questions. And, you know, also go like and follow Boob Sweat. It's a great podcast and (laughs) check it out. So even in the off season, y'all, we still do the brunch talk every releases every Sunday. We answer your burning dating questions. So definitely check that out uh, because we don't pause on those. Nope, we do not pause on brunch every Sunday (laughs) or Saturday if we release it early by accident. I think that's it for announcements. So let's hear from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Okay, let's get into this episode. It's time to answer more of your questions with UA and Julie of the Datable Podcast. Their active daters turn into sociologists on a mission to understand why we date the way we do. Through talking to thousands of daters and world-renowned experts, they're here to help you create the love life you've always wanted. Let's get into this interview. I'm going to say right off the bat, so you're dating on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have to acknowledge immediately that dating in Los Angeles and San Francisco is easier than dating in New York. I mean, it's an aggressive, really? it's an aggressive way to start this podcast, and I certainly I love that. that. Yes, but um, I just I when you told that. me you're both in California, I was like, listen, I swiped in San Francisco, I swiped in LA. It's like <laughs> it's it's just different. <laughs> but why would you say easier? I'm curious to hear why. Um, well, in San Francisco specifically, I found that it was just. Man after man after man after man, Mm -hmm. just with a beard Mm -hmm. looking to go outside. I was like, this is like, this is easy. (laughs) And then in LA, where I thought I would have a really hard time dating, because I feel like people in Los Angeles just like are insane. (laughs) insane. And uh, (laughs) I just, I felt like 
I felt like I would have a really hard time dating. However, I matched with so, I went on so many dates during my single weeks in LA. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Speaking single of, weeks. I love it. Because yeah, <laughs> like short amount of time. Yeah, because I was coming back and forth from New York for work. And I just, I couldn't believe my, couldn't believe my Los Angeles luck. So I, I this <sighs> is just to say, I don't know if either of you have ever dated in, in, in New York, if you had something to say about the difference. Or if it sucks everywhere. Uh, a lot. <laughs> It's, so it's much to the, say. <laughs> it's a product of the apps. And I'll I'll leave it to Julie to okay. talk about her experiment when she dated around the US uh and, and saw the results. But basically when you're new, fresh, yeah, fresh meat in a city, you're going to get all the matches. That's oh, how man. the algorithm works. Okay. So people have this misconception that when they go to a new city, it's just so much easier because they're seeing a lot more matches. It's not actually the case because if you actually live there those matches would eventually dwindle and then you start seeing the same people over and over again. But coming from this point of view as a woman who has dated in New York, a date in New York for seven years, then I moved to San Francisco, then LA. So all three cities are oh, hitting wow. it all. Wow. <laughs> okay. okay. I think dating is dating is challenging everywhere you go. There's okay. always going to be something there that's not going to go smoothly. But Weather is on our side on the West Coast. So you do have more people, um, I guess, eager to go out all the time mm-hmm. because you can. Yeah. You can go out all the time. That's true. So I need to caveat my dating around the country. This was done virtually during COVID. So <laughs> okay. I actually didn't okay. leave my house ever. <laughs> but I did. I did change my location on Hinge. Got it. Because you can adjust that and it's not geo-based. In the sense that it would pick up. Oh, really? That you're, yeah, you can adjust it to anywhere wow. you want to go. Okay. So I did an experiment because I was curious because it's interesting. UA and I started our podcast because we thought dating in San Francisco was so wild at the mm-hmm. start of it. And what we learned quickly was that it was basically the same things going down everywhere, just with variation. Wow. So Basically, back to what you I was saying, that everyone thinks their city is the most difficult place to date. That is a universal truth we've learned, that no matter where you are, people always assume where they are is the most difficult. And I think mm-hmm. a, there's a few factors. One is the app dynamics that UA alluded to, that you are fresh meat, so you get put in front of more people to begin with. But I think a big piece of it is just ourselves and our own comfort we fall into. When we're in Mm. new cities, we have this vacation mentality and we're curious, we're exploratory, we want to try new things. And that's really important to be successful in dating. And in our hometowns, we get complacent. Mm. Okay, well, now now I'll take my I'll take my aggressive comments back and say, (laughs) I, I guess you probably know better. And it sounds like you have some data and science behind you to back it up. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. That sounds, that is fair. That is very I mean, the fair. one thing I will give you to your point, though, there is some truth of ratios, right? Of numbers of people. Yeah. And it does change the dynamics. I truly believe it is the individual because we can all point to times and people in our lives that we know are still making it work despite the yes. off dynamics. Yes. But I know I went to college and it was 70, 30 women to men. Where was that? Boston University, so on the East Coast also. Yes. Uh, It's so funny. I was just going to say, and we all know it's easy to date in Boston. (laughs) But that's the thing. It's like it it was 70-30 women to men, and it did change the dynamic a lot. So I will say that that does play in. And we know that we've heard this in San Francisco, that people call it like Man Jose of the South Bay. The Menver. Menver. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many men. Mm -hmm. But the downside of it, and we've heard this about Denver, actually, is that men almost give up there because they just assume that women have it so easy and they put no effort in. So women are therefore complaining, too, because even though there's a ton of men, they're not making the moves that they want. So that's why it's the ratios only tell one part of the story. I think it's it's what they do and how they impact the data culture. That's the other side of it. That is so interesting. That it's so funny Katie, that, that you said Boston. Yes, UA. Have you heard of the 49er rule for women in San Francisco? No. Okay. So I hate this, Horrible. but also I think it's 
it's it just it's an um, indicative of how men think in San Francisco when it comes to dating. Okay. The joke is women who think they're fours are nines in San Francisco because there's just so many more men for them. So then they have a much better chance of matching and dating. Or what, you may maybe say that yeah, people that think they're four or that are fours. People are fours. They're yeah, they're it's a, they're a San Francisco nine. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. their their value goes up in yes. San Francisco because there's just less women. A Chicago but it is indicative. Ooh, <laughs> I've never heard about dating in Chicago. What is that like? Guess what? Ch- Chicago dating is like for me. It was like Boston dating. They're, it's they're Midwestern boys. They're they're drunk a lot of the time, <laughs> and they're um you know they like to go to like a game. Um, Isn't that Boston? I know that's what I'm saying. They're very similar places to date, and the the women are similar in both places. Right. I find, but the the problem is because this is what I ran into in Boston. That wasn't my cup of tea, and that's what everyone yeah. wanted to do mm, all yeah. the time. Mm, so yeah. again, it comes down to so much of the individual. If that's what you're looking for in a person and dating and all that, then it could be the best environment for you. This is fun. I'm having a great time. <laughs> and the Forty Nine er rule is i hate it it's disgusting yeah it's disgusting but it just shows the men who are giving up yeah in san francisco and saying well i'm not gonna date the women anyway because their egos are inflated not really the case okay i have a lot to say about that yeah (laughs) i also just wanted to say because we're on the topic of dating and whether you know this or not i'm on my second marriage and i was with my first husband for 10 years uh, not married for 10 years, but together for 10 years. And my, I, I, I wanted to say this, because I think it's something that we find that it's an assumption that happens that after you've been married, you are like, if you ever date again, you know, better, like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, like if I were ever back in the market or, or when married people or, or dating people are talking to their single friends, they're like, it's so embarrassing that she is throwing mm. herself at this. There's so much judgment coming mm. from the partnered person. And I just wanted to say this out loud. When I got back into the dating pool, I was a mess. Thank you. Yeah. I was, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with anything. I was falling for everything. I was like, ex- I'm, I was just back at being 21 years old with no clue how to mm-hmm. return a test. Like I was a fool. So I just wanted to say that out there for anyone who thinks that dating is easier after you've been in a long-term relationship because you know better in quotes on the on the podcast. Uh, it's not true. We see this all the time. Do you? So what you just said. Yes. Because mm-hmm. we have a Facebook community for dateable listeners, and it ranges from people that have never gone on a date before that are in their, you know, just coming out of college to people that are coming back after a second or third marriage. Yeah. So the range is dramatic, yet the issues that they're facing are exactly the same. And that blew our mind when we first started this. And you you would think that, yeah, like I've been through it all, but the reality is that no situation and relationship is the same. And times have also changed dramatically. Yeah. No one's immune. Thank you for being honest about that, though, because I think that puts a lot of pressure on the mm-hmm. person coming back into the dating scene and thinking, well, I got fig- I got this figured out. I know what I want. Yeah. No. First of all, nobody no, knows what no, they you want. Don't. Okay. <laughs> no, no matter where you are in life, you don't Nobody knows what they want. So that almost makes dating just a little bit more challenging because we are filtering for people we think we want when we ultimately don't know what we want. And also the other aspect of all of this is that when you get back into the dating scene, you are outdated with your practice. You haven't yes. been practicing for that long. Yes. So you have to learn all the new terms, all the new apps. It's a whole different ballgame. Right. It, coming it from like a three, five-year relationship, the way you interact with a partner is very different than a first date. Yes. So it's like a mental shift also that you're going through. So far, I'm having a lot of fun. And I don't want to, I don't want to take any more time with my own <laughs> inquiries. I'll hit, I'll get right to our, uh, our boob sweat listener questions. Cause we have so many of them. Nice. So can I, um, can I start here with our questions via Instagram? Here we go. All right. Oh, Maddie, we didn't include names on here. Now we've gone full anonymous. 
All right. How can I keep the texting to a minimum before the first date? I hate the false intimacy it creates. That's a good question. It's a fabulous question. We address this quite a bit. So we're in the middle of doing a 22-day online dating challenge right now. It's a reset of how you do online dating. And we want to do this because a lot of our listeners felt the same way. They get into this texting black hole. That's what we call it. Before the first date. And then you, what do you do? Where where do you go from there? There is a lot of false intimacy. Our kind of rule of thumb, and we don't like rules, but we think this really works, is that you're trying to meet someone in real life. So you want to progress things along as fast as you can. So once you've learned kind of three new things about someone on the apps, you get them off the apps onto a different platform. Maybe it's text. And then once you learn something new, three new things about them through text, then you want to meet them in person or you get them off that platform and move to a video call or a phone call. You just want to keep moving things along so that you don't create that false intimacy on one platform because that's what happens all the freaking time. It also shows how interested they are in meeting because, Mm -hmm. you know, people are on apps for all different sorts of reasons. Mm -hmm. And we've all been there before when you think you met the person and they never stop texting and they don't ever show any signs of wanting to meet in person. And that's just a gigantic waste of time if you're spending all this emotional energy getting excited and you're never going to meet them. Like, what's the point? So I think even just asking if they're willing to do a phone call or a video, especially in today's world where there's so many other (laughs) variables with public safety and COVID, but at least shows if someone's willing to take that next step with you. So you're not wasting your time with people that are just never going to move off the apps. That is actually a really good suggestion because if they think you're psychotic for like suggesting a phone number or a phone call, that's not a person who's ready to date. Exactly. Exactly. (gasps) Good tip. (laughs) Mind blown. (laughs) Wish I had you six years ago. Okay. (laughs) And also you just can't, you can't gauge chemistry until you meet someone in real life. No matter how many video calls, phone calls, texts you've done, you could be, you could have a virtual relationship with someone for years and still not know your actual chemistry until you meet in person. So your ultimate goal is still meet in person. I think what you're saying is if the person is not willing to take it to the next tech step and they're not setting plans, then these are bad signs. I don't know anyone who wants to talk on the phone that's not going to meet in person. Exactly. Is that a thing? I don't know. Maybe. Probably a married person who's on the app. Um, <laughs> Ashley, Ashley Madison. There Ash, you go. There we go. Okay. I have one. How do, how do you date without doing the online thing? Is it possible to meet people in, in the wild? It's definitely possible. I think it becomes increasingly harder for sure. So we always suggest doing a mix, not being like, I'm only going to date online or I'm only going to meet people IRL. Just having kind of a diverse portfolio with this. Mm -hmm. And in terms of meeting in person, the best thing that we've seen is repetition. If you think back to how people met pre-apps, it was through friends of friends or coworkers or people that they saw frequently where, you know, connection could grow over time. So if there's ways to join, you know, activities or expand your network in any way possible. So we always like to think about it is like, what is something that's going to make you a better person, therefore give more to a future relationship? And then also, what are things that you could meet someone else at? I had a friend that he loved arts, like he loved the arts, he loved museums. And there was this organization that had galas and parties at museums around the um, events. So he could have just gone to a museum by himself and fulfilled that need, but the odds of meeting someone would be much lower. So therefore found something that kind of merged the two. Yeah. So he could combine something he liked. I think it's a little disingenuous to just go to things that have no interest to you. And it's going to be painful. Like you're going to just be there trying to meet people. So if you can go, the best case scenario is you have a good time, regardless if you meet someone. It's kind of the cherry on top if you actually meet someone. Yeah. We have two trending terms in our dateable community and their master date which is you to take yourself on a date 
and solo travel. A lot of people are doing solo travel this year. They're not waiting for their friends or family to <sighs> feel safe to do so. But there is, yes, it's harder to meet people IRL, but there's also this mentality that comes with it where if you are open to the universe and you mm -hmm. attract instead of chase, mm -hmm. you can meet anybody on a street corner, walking your dog, going to the coffee shop. There are multiple opportunities in a day that we don't seize because we're on our phones. We are thinking about something mm -hmm. else. We're not being present. But if you can take yourself on a date, a master date where you do some solo travel, open yourself up to the opportunities. I just wanted to ask, what's the difference between being in an attracting place versus a chasing place? A chasing place where most daters end up when they start dating is they feel like they have to convince the other person to like them, Ugh. even if they don't like that person, yeah. right? We're kind of like, oh, I, I want that person to ask me on a second date. I want to make sure that they compliment me and they like me and that I get that validation. But we don't think to ourselves and think, do I actually like this person? In a state of attraction, you're just attracting. There's no need to convince the right person. The right person mm -hmm. just comes to you and wants to be with you. And so you don't have to waste your time and energy trying to convince these people who are not right for you in the first place. Mm -hmm. I think in the pandemic, people have this perception that this is actually an impossible time to meet people in real life. And I actually think it might be the best time because people are so hungry for human mm. connection. Yeah. People are so starved to just meet people and have these like more humane topics and meet meet cutes and all the stuff. Like when we talk to our audience about the number one topic they wanted to learn about and have us discuss, it was IRL meets. And that was never something in the past that was like the number one. It was about navigating apps or other topics about dating and relationships. And I think we need to remember that everyone's on the same boat. Everyone is, you know, has lost almost that technique yes. of how do you even approach someone in person <laughs> anymore? But the reality is you just need to say something that's not creepy. That's the only oh, way you need to get out there. <laughs> that's the caveat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, any tips for dating as a non-drinker? Oh, I love this topic. Oh my gosh. It's like you read my mind, Katie. Julie, you know I'm like so into this right now. <laughs> so, yes, she is. Ever since season one, I've been pushing this hashtag sober first kiss. Because oh. we truly believe that chemistry is only gauged through a sober first kiss. But in today's day and age, all the daters are drinking and being blackout drunk, and then they kiss and they don't remember the makeout sesh, mm. and then they're confused the next yeah. morning. So there are so many opportunities and so many products coming up that are non-alcoholic. Maybe they taste like mocktails. Yeah. Julie and I love kombucha. It's a great mm. drink that kind of has like the the ting tingliness of alcoholic drink yeah. without the heavy alcohol. There's just, I think a lot of daters are seeking that right now. So don't feel ashamed to ask for a non-alcoholic date because there are so many more tea shops, mm -hmm. non-alcoholic bars coming up. And the more we can ask for that, the more these products will keep coming up for us. I think the pandemic also changed what a date is. Before it used to be you went to a bar. That was the date mm. for the most part. And, you know, a lot of the pandemic bars weren't actually available to go to. So we started getting more creative. There were park dates. There were even walks that like went to a destination mm -hmm. around your city. There's just a lot more creativity of what a date could be. And I think especially if you're dating sober, that's something that you can take in that not everyone needs it to be drinks at a bar anymore. Well, so I would say as a as a former sober dater, not formerly sober, but formerly dating, I also I did a lot of dog walks. And then if I thought the yeah. person was weird, then we were just like around the block and I could just go home. They didn't know where I lived and met him on a corner. But but a lot of men did want to go to a bar because I think that that's where they felt comfortable. And maybe that's just not someone that you are going to vibe yeah. with anyway. Totally. Is it even 
worth it? I, this this question is laughable, but I, I hope it's laughable. Is it even worth it past age 40? Absolutely. People find love at any age nowadays. Like hmm. we were talking about earlier, people, I think, you know, back in the day when divorce wasn't as prominent too, is once you hit a certain age, you the dating like the pool kind of dried up. Yeah. But now people are coming in and out of the dating pool at all ages. Yeah. So I don't think it's ever too late. I think it's better to like, you know, be single and be with someone amazing, even if it takes a little longer. And I truly believe if you're with the wrong person, that means you can't be with the right person. So yeah, there's nothing wrong. There's no age limitations anymore. I like that. I mean, I'm 41 and I'm thriving. Okay. I, <laughs> I think dating, I am with someone right now, but I think about if I were to get back into the dating scene, I would love it because I have more discretion. Mm. I didn't have discretion in my 20s. You think I you learned do, discretion you, eh? in my 30s. <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> but right, what you think could be the your own reality. So I mm-hmm. I I'm at peace with that. I like that. I feel like, yes, I'll, I'll have smaller a smaller pool to choose from, but then I won't be wasting my time squeezing dates in that would have been a waste of time yeah, in the first place. Totally. So it's, I think, older we get, the maybe the better dating can get. I kind of am with you on that. Not that, not because you know better, but I think you have a less, I think you have like a, maybe a more full life. And so it doesn't become as like, I don't know. Something something shifts for sure. I'm w- I'm with you. And you you've moved out of this like people pleasing mode a bit. Yeah, it's more about what is going to work for me. And I think in our younger days, sometimes that can be a scary realization yeah. that that's even possible. Yeah, that's true. I totally agree. Um, how do I deal with dating a non planner as an over planner? <laughs> Feel like this one comes up all the time. <laughs> And is anyone really an over planner or is it really just that that person doesn't really want to hang out? No, I think there are over planners. I mean, over is all, it's all subjective, but I have friends that will plan brunches three months away. And for me, I would just do that weekend of. So (laughs) people are different in terms of planning. So it's definitely a thing. Okay. It feels a lot in the, in the, um, like when friends run dating scenarios by me, I feel like it's a lot of, a lack of follow through from the man that they're talking to. And it feels like they want to set the dates and set the schedule, but they, but the man isn't committing to that, like activity. This is not a visual podcast. So I'm making hand motions and just saying <laughs> that the the man's not really taking the bait to like commit to a Saturday plan on a, the Saturday before, because probably because they're not interested in being with them is that do you think that's accurate i think there's so many layers to this it gets a little bit more complicated and we don't have to get into this very deeply but it's gender roles it's blurred gender roles right now and i think people don't know what they're supposed to do when it comes to dating it really behooves us to put all of our kind of what our wants are up front so if you Hmm. are wanting for this date to happen you say Okay, so we're going to go out Thursday. Will you plan this date? And I'll plan the next one. You kind of assign. You have to delegate. Otherwise, you're just waiting for someone to initiate. And it doesn't, I don't know, in today's dating, it doesn't work like that because everyone's like, should I? Am I the one taking lead here? Just assign someone to be the lead and then you can take turns. We say that everyone is playing a big game of relationship chicken, that no one <laughs> wants to be the person to show like show their cards, basically. And I think a lot of it is the blurred gender lines that, you know, I think especially with like Me Too and other movements, like mm. men aren't as bold as they were once in the day mm. or back in the day. And I think, you know, women... It's really conflicting. It's like we want equal partnerships, yeah, but we still are hanging on to these old mentality of waiting for the man to text first or to initiate plans or even, you know, ask us for marriage. Like it doesn't make sense. And I think a lot of it is this battle of the new and the old. And with relationship chicken too, a lot of it is that, you know, we want love. We want 
a relationship, but we're not really equipped to put in the work to get there. Mm. And a lot of us lack communication skills. We were never taught this in school. We don't really know how to be direct. We just play these games that we were taught by books like The Rules right. that are just quite frankly outdated. And what that leaves us is that pe- no one's making moves. And then everyone's complaining that modern dating isn't working. And I really think it's we hear this from men and from women all the time. It's not one like gender or the other. It's just a universal like, you know, <laughs> I must visualize it as like a hamster wheel that neither person can get off of. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. I OK, I could I could talk to you guys all day um we have a we have a voicemail question coming in from laura and maddie is going to set that up for us hi katie and special guest so my name is laura and i live in a super small town in northwestern ontario it's about eight hours north of uh st paul in minneapolis for context and there's like maybe a thousand people here full time um i moved up here for work and I have since developed a crush like I have not felt since I was in high school on a boy, a man, I don't know, <laughs> at work. And we're not in the same department, but we are in the same, like, division, I guess you could say, of the organization. Um, we don't work together very often. We are working together on one project. That's going to end whenever COVID ends. <laughs> um, so I don't know, like, does the fact that it's a small town and there are a lot of people who are in relationships working for this organization, because it's like one of two employers in this town, change the, like, don't shit where you eat thing? Or <laughs> is it just never a good idea? Help. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Laura is so cute. She's so cute. Oh my <laughs> She's God. so cute. What do you guys think? <sighs> Finding love is one of the most important, if not the most important decision we make in our lifetime. And we feel like nothing should really stand in the way of that. In this situation, it feels like it's not it's not really about the the working relationship. It's really about the chance encounter that serendipitously, these two were brought to a small town and there seems to be a connection, or at least I hope this seems to be a two-sided connection. I personally don't believe there's anything wrong with pursuing something that she feels so strongly about, but also have a conversation with him if this were to, to progress that Maybe our jobs could be at jeopardy. This could put some of that at risk. Are we willing to take that risk together? I don't think this is a decision she needs to make on her own. Mm. But if this is a right partnership, the two of them can navigate that together. Yeah, I think what wasn't clear to me, it was how much conversation she's had with this person before. Yeah. And I think, you know, back in the day, I know so many people that met through work and are married, Mm -hmm. have families together, and it all worked out. So it's not that it can't. But obviously, she said it herself, like, don't shit where you eat. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, it can get uncomfortable. But I think the other piece is kind of, I, I think a lot of men this day and age, heterosexual men, are very, you know, very conscious about making moves in the workplace more than ever Mm -hmm. before. It's not only are you going to get rejected anymore, but you become a sexual harasser. Mm -hmm. And there's way more on the line. So I would say if she hasn't, like if she hasn't had this come to moment with him that they are, they want to pursue this, I would say like she should maybe own making more of the move Mm -hmm. in this case Mm -hmm. and at least having conversations of, is this person even single? Like, we don't know how much she knows. So how can she start this? And how can it maybe even start in a friend way mm-hmm. and have it progress into more, a little more organically? So yes, yeah, so much of it depends of what conversations they've had. I don't think it's a like a hard no, but it's definitely a tread more lightly. I, as a non-dating expert, one, I think it's 
obviously it's a good thing that men feel more self-conscious about making moves on women at work. Mm -hmm. And I think that that does put her in a power position to just kind of what's the, what's the worst that can happen? She asks him out and he says no. And she still kind of like sees him. Uh, Yeah. But she didn't do anything that, that she didn't do anything wrong. I think she should right. go and it's for how it. it's however she phrases it yeah too. it doesn't need to be this big declaration of love or anything mm-hmm. like that yeah like i love you i don't know you yeah right <laughs> exactly. yeah like yeah. something that if you see this person walking around the halls you're not going to be humiliated yes yeah mm-hmm. don't yeah don't don't tell him that you've been like Googling him at work, like you know right. what I mean, and talked about him on a podcast, and talked about yeah. oh, damn it. <laughs> Laura, Laura will never tell. What a great feeling, though, to have a crush on someone. Do you remember the last time you had a crush on someone? Yes, oh. when she said the word crush, I was like, oh, how fun! But it's not fun. How fun, you know? Yeah, I guess you know. It is unfortunate though that work is such a dangerous place because when you think about it, it was kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. This is a place where you could have repetition. Mm-hmm. You can get to know someone really well and just have the connection build. You clearly have some similar interests that you've got there in the first place. So in theory, it actually should be an amazing place. And not to mention you're spending the most time of your waking hours at work. But there is, you know, that the downside of that, that is so much of your livelihood in the rest of your world. And we are getting near the end of the episode. And I want to bring Maddie back on to ask <laughs> you um, about a recent trend, trending nightmare dating scenario. You both Ooh. are probably so sick of talking about this, but I do. It's a West Elm Caleb. Yeah, it is West Elm Caleb. You bet. <laughs> <laughs> this was taking over my life for a week. And I. <laughs> Like, just, I want to know, we don't have to, like, debrief the whole situation. Basically, on TikTok, a woman talked about how she went on a horrible date with this guy named Caleb who worked at West Elm, and he, like, or, no, I think they went on good dates, and they texted back and forth, Mm -hmm. and then he was, like, super into him, and then he ghosted her, and then that (sighs) a bunch of other women came forward and were like, that exact experience happened to me with the same exact man. So. My question, like, do you think in the same way of like, I was thinking about this today, like in the way that like people watching true crime makes you think that you're going to get murdered. Like, do you think that it's changed people's approach to dating of like dating on an app and like meeting a guy? You're like, this is going to be the next West Elm Caleb or like if you have any thoughts on the situation as a whole, (laughs) just because I find it really interesting. Now West Elm Caleb is a murderer. He went from a ghost star to a murderer. That's just like the only similarity that I have towards it. I really want to know what what West Elm Caleb is doing right this minute. I do too. It's just everywhere. That's the thought that goes through my mind every time I see something. He he got a TV deal somewhere. He's like hosting his own talk show now. Reform dater. Yes. I mean, I think the hope that comes out of the West Elm Caleb is that people will be more intentional daters overall. But that being said, the only person you can control is yourself at the end of the day. There's always going to be people that are going to ghost. There's always going to be people that are going to do like, I mean, I think West Elm Caleb ultimately wasn't looking for a relationship where some of these people were. So people are just in very different places at all times. And I don't think that that should normalize bad behavior, but ultimately all we can control is us. Mm. So can you ask a few more questions about what they're looking for and what their intentions are? Sure. But someone may or may not be truthful for that. Like, it's just hard to know. The best thing that I think women can take away from this is how can you be secure with yourself? How can you feel like your, you know, your worth isn't lying on a West Elm Caleb? So if this is to happen, you can just move forward and say, you know, this this wasn't what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for someone that's going to leave me in the dust or this person that claims that I'm the best thing ever and then just won't return my text message. That's not what I'm looking for. So how can you reframe it yourself is probably the only real thing you can do from a situation like this. It's good advice. Yeah. I also have another question. Do you think it'll change how people, you know, how like I think I grew up on the Internet, so it might. I feel like my knowledge of like my internet footprint, 
like I'm very hyper aware of like what I post and like knowing that I'm going to see it in 10 plus years. Like, do you think people are going to start worrying about like their dating digital footprint, their app dating footprint? I don't know. Oh, that's an interesting question. We, you know, years ago, before your time. Let's <laughs> uh, tell you a tale. <laughs> there were there were <laughs> two online dating, I guess there were apps or websites that tried to start this whole Yelp equivalent of online dating where you can post reviews of the people oh, you go on dates with. Mm-hmm. And people terribly abused this service because then they started making up stories about people because they were scorned by an ex. Mm. I don't really foresee us headed down that road again. But I think what is good about this West Elm Caleb situation that came out is that I think, listen, a lot of people saw this and was like, yep, I've had a Caleb in my life. I've experienced a Caleb in my life. But the same people who said this also said, I've been that Caleb. I hope what it brings to the forefront is that we are all guilty of bad dating behavior. Some of the women who appeared in these TikToks who were part of his roadkill, I'll say that, (laughs) they were also guilty of dating multiple men. And he happened to be one of them in rotation, right? So until we have that DTR conversation where we establish boundaries of what this relationship is, anything's game. And we're all guilty of just trying to figure out who is the right partner for us. I'm not trying to excuse this behavior or any of this bad behavior, but I hope that it will bring everyone to look at themselves a little deeper and say, Mm -hmm. well, I don't want a Caleb to happen in my life, but I also don't want to be a Caleb either. We saw actually right before this recording in our Facebook group, someone posted, can all the people in this Facebook group vouch that we are not going to ghost anymore <laughs> and the world will be a better place and a more dateable place? And I think that is the benefit that can come out of it is seeing the fallout, mm-hmm. seeing what it did to people is how can you become the dater you want to date? So that's kind of the, again, back to the only person you can control yourself. But if you're acting in the way you want to be treated, you'll one, recognize when people aren't treating you that way so you can move forward. Or two, you'll attract others that are on the same boat. Yeah. Thank you. That's, yeah, the, I really like that. The And are you ghosting? Are you doing that behavior yourself is a great question to ask. Because I do feel like many of my friends who date do ghost. Yeah. All the time. It's easy to blame the apps. It's easy to blame the West Elm Caleb's. Mm. It's easy to blame your city. But the hardest person to look at is yourself, which really is the common denominator between all these experiences. Maddie, do you or your friends, are they ghosting? I mean, not that I know of a lot of my friends. I also am a BU grad and all of my friends imported their own boyfriends. So (laughs) it's like very much a BYOB, (laughs) bring your own boyfriend situation (laughs) where they just like found one somewhere else and just brought him to Boston with them. (laughs) That should be a service. But yeah, I feel like one of my friends dated like not didn't even date a guy, but like Zoom dated a guy in the middle of quarantine. And then he just like stopped talking to her or was like, I feel like this is going too far. Mm -hmm. But then she was like, then why are you talking to me? So mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of that these days, I think. Yeah. But that's just everywhere. It's not even in dating. They see it in recruiting all the time. People yeah. ghost their recruiters. They ghost job interviews. People just do yes. not have the confrontational skills to say, "Listen, I'm not interested." Yeah, so that- we, I've been ghosted for job interviews. Yeah, we had someone that was working for us that didn't even quit and just stopped showing up, and then never, and then I DM'd her. Oh my God. She, this was, this was years ago, but I DM'd her. I texted her. I called her. I know she saw my stuff. She never answered me. And I don't, and like nothing happened. It was just like, she just was gone. I think it's that our generation, we're in this, we, you know, we've assumed that there's like instant gratification. Everything is on demand. You can get an Uber at the touch of your fingertip, right? Like you don't need to work to do anything. So when things fall apart, we don't have any skills Mm. to have these conversations. And we had an episode that was confessions of a reform ghoster. Mm -hmm. And basically what she said was, 
I was avoiding it because I mm. it was too hard for me to have the conversation. This had nothing to do with this other person. I was not in a place that I was ready to have a relationship and I was not dateable wow. at this stage of my life. Yeah. So, so much of it, it's easy to say that, you know, ghosting is a reflection of myself and why am I attracting all these ghosters? But the reality is it's someone that have, has not been the person that you actually want to date yeah. anyways. That's, that's, uh, this is, you've just, you've just really hit on something there. And I think that that is just a thing happening in society right now. Yeah. And if you think about it, if we're all, anybody listening to this, we hope your takeaway is this. In dating, we are so focused on starting things that we don't close the loop on on relationships, on connections. We're just so fascinated with like, how do I get this relationship started? How do I build this attraction and chemistry? Mm -hmm. But we don't close the loop. So then the reason why so many of us are having a hard time getting into relationships could possibly be because you did not close the doors on mm -hmm. previous situationships or whatever yeah. it may be. If we can just start closing the loop, we can then open the doors fully wide and attract the relationships that we want. Okay. I'll take that. You guys, thank you so much for coming on Boob Sweat. I loved this. Um, I just had a really great time. I just learned all I need to know, which is that the world doesn't have the skills <laughs> to end things. <laughs> so that's, that is all I need to know. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Sure. You know, datablepodcast.com is our website at datablepodcast Instagram. And our podcast is on every major podcast player, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you want to go, we're there. Yeah. Katie, is it normal to have boob sweat after your interviews? I'm just, you know, just asking, asking for a friend. <laughs> if you haven't put bus dust on, yeah. But yeah, maybe. That was UA and Julie from the Dateable Podcast. Cubby, I wanted to get your take on some of the questions I talked about with UA and Julie. Are you down? I'm in. Okay. I'm going to ask you the question, then you answer. How can I keep the texting to a minimum before the first date? I hate the false intimacy it creates. Man, that's a really tough one because first of all, like, I mean, false intimacy, like you don't want to put yourself out there too much. Or no, like it's just like you're, you're just like you got someone texting you like, how was your day? Good morning. Like, hope you had a good night, but you've never met this person. You don't know this person, but they're like down to like check up on you like they're your mom right well if you want to like really get through the false intimacy why not just ask for nudes like and see what happens because either they're not going to text you back or it's really going to get into some real intimate shit you know then then you'll be on that authentic <laughs> intimacy here we go you got caught up on that word intimacy for a while but you came through with nudes so we're fine how do I deal with dating a non-planner as an over-planner? Well, you're in luck because they probably need you in their life. I mean, mm. you know, I, I think that, you know, you can compl compliment each other as partners. I mean, if, especially if the person's a non-planner, they might love that. Like, you'd be like, hey, we're going to the park on Saturday and we're going to walk the dogs and, you know, go get a coffee at Ralph's. Okay, is and this then... me? Are you just, are you just <laughs> saying that that's what I would tell you? Okay. We got a voicemail question, which I love. And the person who called said that they have a crush on one of their coworkers from a different department. Wait for it. Do they go for it? Keep in mind, she also lives in a small remote town and pretty much everyone knows each other's business and they all work at this company. Well, I guess the first question would be, do you care if anybody knows that you were like, pursuing this person because they're probably going to hundred percent find out <laughs> under these facts. And then, um, you know, if it would, I would wish that they would tell us which departments, like, you know what I mean? What if they're shipping, receiving, then you're like compliment each other, you know, it's like, it would be perfect. Or, you know, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't suggest using a uh, company email, Which things like straight that. Straight legal. Yeah. <laughs> I would, you know, 
even better, get wasted at the company Christmas party. You know what I mean? And then be like, hey, what's up, man? Go, you know, grab him in a corner and see what's good. You know, be like, hey. Okay. Matt, just for to be clear, when we're editing this, just cut, please just cut to the cut to the real answers. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Boob Sweat. I want to thank Yue and Julie for coming on. You can listen to the Dateable Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Or Find them at datablepodcast.com and at datablepodcast on Instagram. I also want to thank John for coming on to help answer your dating questions. Like, I'm not sure if he did, but it was very funny to me at least. Have a question or comment? Call our hotline at 201-701-1575 and you could be featured on the pod. Or email us at boobsweatproductions at gmail. If you like the show, please rate and review wherever you listen because that shit is important. Here's a review from So Much Good Conversation. No, from Snoozy IQ. (laughs) So Much Good Conversation. Five stars. I love listening to Katie and her guests. She talks about a wide range of topics that we all face at some point. I lull and learn something new every time I listen. Katie is curious and super honest. What a great combo. And remember to follow the podcast on your podcast app of choice so you never miss an episode. If you can't get enough of me on your phone and in your ears, then you should check out my book, Body Talk, which is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and anywhere good books are sold. This show is produced by Wonder Wheel Media and Madison Higley. Oh, and thanks to Cheese and John and New York City for always seeming to make noise when we record the show. You can follow me at Katie Storino on Instagram to keep the conversation going. This podcast is over. I'm having too much fun. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.